G'day, it's the Adrian Bow Podcast. We've got episode 66 and today I'm absolutely delighted to have on a very good mate of mine, Mr. Joel Hollings from McGrath Blacktown. Joel, how you doing, my man? Adrian, Excellent, buddy. I oh, mate, I can't thank you enough for uh, for agreeing to do this. And uh, mate, we've been we've been mates for a while, so it's uh, it's a pleasure that uh, we get to share your incredible knowledge. Uh, I've obviously had the luxury of working with you closely and uh, and seeing the work that you do. But you know, I must say that a lot of my listeners, you know, they they do demand and insist on listening to people that. Um, not necessarily as selling at the high end of town all the time and not necessarily doing, you know, massive um, sale price uh, transactions. Um, and, mate, you're one of those guys who are very consistent in terms of volume, but your average sale price um, wouldn't be considered huge, you know, in amongst mm-hmm. some others. Um, so, mate, it's it's really good to be able to tap into to your IP because, I've got I've got a theory that doing volume is a hell of a lot harder um, than actually doing the highest sale price because, mate, you need bums on seats, you need uh, uh, no leakage, you need high customer service skills still, um, you know, you need process efficiencies, the whole thing. So, um, you know, and I've been a high volume agent for a long time as well. So I know exactly where, where you're coming from. So, mate, just to give people a bit of an idea, Finn year that just wrapped up, how many transactions did you do? Uh, 93, a little bit lower than we normally aim for 100. Yep. 100 to 112 is sort of our sweet spot, 93. But yep. I think we're pretty happy with the way sort of COVID affected the market, you know, by pulling down stock. You know, I think we were on track at the time before COVID hit. We were going to get to like 118 or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, look. Happy with what we did. Yeah, absolutely. And from what you know, from what I know, you, you've been a consistent hundred deal a year guy for for, for for some years. So any anywhere around those numbers, mate, is you're talking in the top sort of two three percent in the in the country. You know, if if not the world, as far as an individual agent with 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 an immediate team. Um, so with that volume, um, just talk us about your immediate team around you. Um, so have an EAPA. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in the game for about 12 months, but I have known her parents for almost 20 years. Yep. Um, she was just born at the time I'd sort of met her parents and then took her through um, you know, school training you know, when they do their work experience and whatever, and we yep. sort of grew her. So she's good, great, or well, not good, she's great. Tita's yep. uh, been with me, my offsider, for six to seven years. Uh, Maine's really a standalone agent on his own. Mm. Um, but he does help with overflow on my end. Um, at the same time, um, teaching him volume um, is what he wants to learn out of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being assisting with that. Um, we've just had a junior agent come into the team. I wouldn't say he's junior in age, but junior in the sense of five years in the industry, um, wants to push really hard, has exponential growth potential. Um, so we're just bringing him in. So I naturally have sort of two other salespeople that really one's a buyer's agent, which is what that new guys come in. Peter's uh, a buyer slash listing agent, and I'm basically just a listing agent. But the, the reality is, though, Joel, like for, you know, you've been doing 100 deals for a few years now. The reality is you've really been doing it with one EA and one associate agent. That's the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over a decade, I've been, yeah, on yeah, my I- own. 
and then yeah, probably six or seven years ago when I started to grow and got that, you know, that's what we call a red sea of seven at McGrath. Um, and then brought Peter into the team, the blue. So yeah, really three of us across the hundred. Yeah, I've got I've got to say that that's extremely admirable because there's a lot of people doing dramatically less deals and have a, a lot lot heavier team. So you know the hours required, um, you know, are, are are certainly demanding. But when we talk about volume, it's impossible not to also address leakage in your business, burnout and also the customer service experience because there's no use doing, as you know, Joel, 100 or 120 deals, but the customer satisfaction being a five out of 10. Well, there's no use doing 120 deals if all three of you are absolutely burnt to a crisp. And, you know, and, and again, there's no use doing it unless you got, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, making sure that there's no leakage in, in the business as well. Now, I know your business is not perfect. You're very modest. You're humble. You'll, you'll be the first to admit there's areas for growth and improvement, which is great. But still, I would say you've got a very high customer service rating. I would say that, that the leakage is minimal. And I would say that you guys live quite balanced. I mean, you, you, you make sacrifices. There's no doubt about it. Um, so certainly, you know, give, you know, take my hat off to you. What would be the, 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 the main job description of, say, your EA? I'm assuming she's handling all marketing administration and all non-dollar productive activity. Would that be correct? Yeah, good. Um, and and your associate agent, um, basically, even though you'd be doing most of the listing and most of the vendor management, you're putting him on overflow listings and then allowing him um, and embracing and empowering him to actually try and list and sell some properties on his own accord, right? Absolutely. Everything Peter puts on him as the lead agent is. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. We don't, I don't ask for any money out of that or anything in that regard. Um, I want to see him grow and effectively get his own team. Um, yeah, his role is really buyer managing and then growing leads and myself teaching him how to convert those leads into his own clients. Um, but like, yeah, I think you hit it on the head there, Adrian, you know, like it doesn't actually have to be as complex as what people think. Mm. I think a lot of agents overthink stuff before getting it on the ground and actually employing that in their business. Yeah. Uh, we have a really good structure in how we communicate with our vendors. I mean, in the seven years of being at McGrath, I think we've only had one complaint and we're pretty ecstatic about that because we don't want people missing out or not feeling happy. We understand the emotional journey that our vendors go through and mm. by that management, not just the mechanics of, you know, pre-market, market and whatever, but it's how you're feeling at this point, getting to the next. Because once you understand how they're feeling, the whole process goes so much quicker and so mm. much easier. So mm. we were we really listened to our clients and we really delved into that. And I did that early in my career because I come from a, um, a hospitality background that, like I said, I don't think I'm the flashiest agent in the world, but I'm bloody consistent and I never not call them when I say I'm going to call them. I do what I say I'm going to do. And if there's a problem, we're talking about that immediately. We're not, oh, three days later, oh, by the way, we have this issue. Mm. Because that needs not being responsible to your vendors. Yeah, what I've loved always about working with you, Joel, is, um, and, and similar to a lot of 
you know, consistent agents or high performing agents, if you will, is, is, you know, discipline is, is not non-negotiable process driven is non-negotiable having the right mindsets, non-negotiable um, being selfless. Like, as you said, allowing your associate agent to sort of build a brand within a brand um, and, and, and having systems in place are non-negotiable. So mate, these, it's not a coincidence that people doing the numbers have those things in common. Now, when you talked about being a flashy real estate agent, you and I both know that that's not the, the silver bullet or the magic dust to being great in real estate. If anything, it's probably the complete opposite at the moment. What people want to deal with is a human being first and then a real estate agent second, right? So the fact that you are personable, transparent, vulnerable even, and authentic, that's what's, get, that's what's getting you the, the appraisals and the listings and the sales, right? I was talking with a few agents this morning from another brand, only a couple of suburbs away. And, you know, I was saying to them, when do, where do they think the most important part of the growth that they're going to get out of the client? And what I mean by that is where's the next listing coming from out of doing that deal? A lot of them talk about, you know, houses surrounding them or whatever. And I'm like, I think everyone misses the point at exchange. Yeah, once you get that sold sticker up, most agents go into the shell. You don't hear from them until final inspection. Our team is completely the opposite. Between exchange and between settlement, we have as many touch points as we do during the campaign. And what that does, it builds faith in them that they're comfortable in telling their friends to use you. Because there's nothing worse than a vendor that's successfully sold with you then trying to say to their friends, yeah, he was really good up until sold, and then we never heard from him until settlement. Mm. And that, that, to me, is a train wreck because I listened to something the other month and I met the agent who I was up against and he goes, I just want to ask why they went with you to your job. And I said, oh, well, sold for the sister, brother, and whatever, had some relationship there. And he goes, yeah, but when I asked for the business, they said, I haven't even met. Mm-hmm. but they're giving it to you before you got there. And I go, well, that's not, that's from years of hard work and consistency mm-hmm. in making sure that they, we hold their hand right through the process. Because I think that's the biggest failure. And I made that mistake early in my career, mm-hmm. stole the sticker up, wait till settlement, never helped them. But mm-hmm. ringing up and asking, can you can we get the lawns mowed? Do you need help with an agent up the coast? Do you know your insurance doesn't, uh, Know, isn't credible after two weeks if you move out. So make sure you let your insurance company know. Make sure you, you know, disconnect the gas two weeks before. Take photos of the meters at the final inspection so they can text them to the vendor and say, hey, don't forget to cut off your account. Here's a photo of the meter reading for you. Like really small things like that have then brought people back to us. And, and that snowball effect is what, what we have in our business. And we're very, very protective of that how we operate but also too we're very proud of that i i love that joel you've basically just provided a checklist between exchange and settlement that if every agent follows right they're gonna they're gonna get amazing value out of it and that's what i love about you 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 you're very you're very selfless you're happy to share um and i hope agents do benefit from that and and worse still what you've just talked about what happens is the sale gets done 
and you've earned anywhere between ten to fifty thousand dollars, let's call it, and and then four years goes past and they never hear from you again, right? So, and this is where agents get caught because then they'll go and spend you know thousands of dollars in you know just listed cards or whatever. I mean, that's all great stuff too. In isolation, though, it's yeah. not effective. It only works if you if you're also you know nurturing your past clients and doing the new lead generation stuff. So I love how the metaphor or even just the paradigm shift of, hey, when the deal gets done, the sold sticker gets goes up. This is not where the relationship finishes. This is where it actually starts. I think we have a mindset within the team that imagine we never met another client ever, mm. ever again. Mm. And you have to deal with who you dealt with. Mm. Do those people actually want to deal with you? Yeah. And that's giving them the time of day. And they were human at the end of the day. Yes, the world's become very automated in what we can achieve. Mm. But I think, you know, that point of coming back to a human and asking really, really interesting questions along, you know, are you anxious after 50 years of selling your house? Of course, they're going to say yes. Mm. No one ever asks that question. They just mm. go, yeah, no, and no, thanks, and they walk away. And you go, like, ask the question. And say to them, well, you know, maybe with, when you open home, you need to go and have lunch with a friend. Don't think about it. We'll win you once we're done. Telling mm. yeah, mm. it over in your mind doesn't help you. Yeah. No, I love that. It's, 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 it's an incredible um, way to, to approach things and it's not a coincidence you're doing well. Mate, I, I was very fortunate enough to, to, you know, what I think play a very small role in, in, in supporting you and helping you grow your business. If, if there was one thing just for listeners, obviously, because, you know, there, there's a lot of people, you know, interested in my coaching. What, what do you think it was that, that I was, you know, had the, the benefit and luxury of, of supporting and helping your business with? I think we picked and choose before I'd met you on who we actually put into the database. What I got out of what watching you and watching you interact within training groups, but also in your own business was more about everyone needs to go. <laughs> yeah. And I was pretty good mate, at collecting stuff. I think compared to my competitors, I was probably fourfold. But then when I heard the numbers that you were doing in that consistency, when you're talking 20, 30,000, I'm like, well, hang on. I've been in it for two thirds of the time with Bowie. He's got well, 50,000 and I've only got seven. I haven't been doing it right. So it just, mm. that's what I loved about you, the consistency behind it. And knowing that my mum lived in the neighborhood that you lived in. So before we even had met each other, through and bra, um, I had a preconceived idea on how your business ran. Right. And it was so different once I'd actually listened to what you were teaching that those in a lot of ways you're very similar to what we did it was just you actually amplified on top of so it was like that i wouldn't say two x it's probably three or four x mm. you know that back end work that built a strong core database that people like when they think the first thing is they think your name mm. and they go yeah cool they're not actually not thinking the brand they're actually thinking the person mm. they go oh yeah Bowie, that's right yeah he's that dry yeah cool you know let's call him yep. yeah no, I'm hum I'm humbled by that, and and I think for the listeners, what what Joel's referring to is is um, reading between the lines. You know, maybe before we started working together closely with some coaching and stuff, you know, Joel and his team would probably be putting people in their database who they thought could sell. You know, at some point, but uh, the paradigm shift for me was, dude, if they own a piece of real estate, 
you put them in your database, right? Even if they say I'm getting carried out in a box, it doesn't matter because it, it is a combination of quality and quantity. Like people say, oh yeah, but you know, I've got this database, it's 400 people and it's clean as a whistle. Great. Why don't we have, why don't we have a 20,000 database clean as a whistle, right? And there's only really one criteria for them to be able to live in it being in the database and that is that they own that piece of real estate because I've got this awareness theory as you know Joel that people say I'm not selling not selling not selling Mm. one day they wake up guess what there's a job transfer opportunity guess what Um, they 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 need a bigger house smaller house there's a domestic issue marital issue financial issue and and again the first person they're going to think of is the person that's been adding value the most consistently Um, so yeah, that, that's the, that's the hack, I suppose, that Joel's talking about. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm blessed that I was, I was able to sort of help Joel with that. Um, what, what else sort of, um, that, that something recently that you might've introduced in your business that you found has moved the needle? I mean, obviously this is the sort of industry that you don't have to come up with a new idea every week. You know, like if you're an accountant, lawyer or a doctor, it's like, geez, you know, I've got to go to new procedures, new legislations. Like, you know, you've got to master four objections at a listing appointment. You've got to master, you know, three or four objections at a buyer appointment. Uh, you've got to manage your database and that's it. But is there something in particular recently that you think you've introduced that's, that you've noticed an effect with your business? Um, yeah, I think there's two things. Um, yep. I was a bit of a skeptic on video. Yep. Um, I, you know, I remember John McGrath actually saying to me, mate, you really need to do video. I'm like, mate, I haven't done video in the last three years, so that's 300 sales, and I'm still getting as many sales as I have. So how is that going to change my business? Um, Putting, making the decision to do that in January this year, that we were going to that video base. Um, and it's walkthrough on phones and professional videos on property. So it's a mix of both. Yep. Um, that has transformed the type of vendor or the authority behind us coming in. And the vendors and the buyers get to know you a bit better because they see your personality coming out in the videos. Some of the professional videos can be a bit too much, too scripted, you know? Mm. So the where I get most of the comments are when I'm doing my walkthrough on my own phone, yeah? yeah. I have my EA stand there and hold it and go, hey, Joel Hollings, hey, point it at my face, and then I grab it off her, and then I walk through it, and then I give it back to her. So at the end, so it feels like a presentation. So it's funny the little idiosyncrasies we all have, because at one property I sold a couple of weeks ago, I'd sold that property 10 years ago, it was probably one of my favourite homes I'd ever sold in my career, to get back in there, in that video, I went, oh, I love this house. But it was that little high-pitched way of saying it and there was like a little giggle in it at the same time. I had a dozen people say to me, I love that video because it was actually showing the true me rather than that scripted, you know, six foot, 100 kilo red-haired guy who looks like a kind of thing. So, <laughs> That's great. That's that was number one. Yep. And then the next thing that we went to was that laser focus on immediate neighbours in on listings that we have currently on the market. Right. We we were good with it, but now we're great with it. And right. we're really starting to see better engagement and better leads um, coming back to us when they're ready to make a decision. Because right. Engaging different. So what did we do differently? Um, yeah, obviously, cold call on the streets, a doorknock around that. 
when getting face to face. It does take up a little bit more time, but for me, it was better off spending another $5,000 on throwing pamphlets across 50,000 properties. Mm. Yeah, mm. I didn't have to do that. They already know who I am. So it's just getting back in the door and they go, oh yeah, I remember Joel, you know? Yep, that's cool, let's go. So those two things this year have been big shifts in our business. Mm. I love the response, Joel, because you couldn't have too sharper of a contrast between a modern style approach around video, which would be considered, you know, modern and high tech, and and then a more traditional uh, high touch approach in the door knocking, um, yet still being game changers for you. Um, and, you know, both are not revolutionary. Both have been around for a while, but one is probably a bit more traditional than, than the other. Um, so great, great response. And I know it's a, it's a genuine one, but a great learning for anyone that's actually tapping into it to see that, you know what, high tech and high touch both still work, you know, so that's excellent. Uh, a lot of my, sorry, cut you off here. No, go. Sorry. No, um, go for it. A lot of friends of mates have been in for 20 or 30 years selling and, and mates at 10 years. Every one of them know what to do. They just choose either not to do it as they used to when they first did it. I yeah. really know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. So for us, it's just getting back and making ourselves accountable to that process. Yeah. Rather than just making it a process. Yeah. So we actually have a goal, an outcome that we want to get out of every street, an expectation of market appraisals, an expectation of a listing. Yeah. And, and that's where our, that shift in our own minds. I think was really important, not just turning up going, yeah, that's right, I've got to go knock that street. Oh, yeah, I've got to do some drop. You know, I'm yeah. dropping, I'm going, hey, hi, it's me, Joel. Yeah, and they're like, oh, hey, how are you? You know, and, and, and engaging when we're doing the drop or the door knock, you know, that you're seeing the neighbour and you're like, hey, not to bug you, just for selling across the road. Yep, and they're like, yeah, cool, you know. So, yeah, it's nice to get back to that stuff that I was doing a lot more of earlier in my career. Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. And I hear agents talk like that all the time, Joel, you know, when I'm coaching them, um, I'll, I'll share some, some efficiencies in their business or new initiatives. And they'll say, shit, Bowie, I used to do that. I used to do that. And it's like, well, mate, you know, nothing's changed. As I said before, nothing's changed. There's only like half a dozen things you've got to master in this industry to do well at. And you've got to do all of them consistently and all simultaneously. You know, as, as you know, if you, if you're only, prospecting tool was DL cards. Well, it's not going to work in isolation, but does it work as part of an overall strategy? Yeah, of course it does. Same with door knocking. If you just relied on door knocking, would it work in isolation? No, but as an overall strategy, it does. Same with video, same with everything we've just been talking about. So with the video thing, I'm intrigued by that. So are you saying every listing you're either doing an authentic sort of zero cost uh, iPhone video and or a professional one, like just, uh, and with every sale, how's, how's that work? Yeah, we've had a, uh, some kickback from some tenants about, you know, videography. They don't mind photos. Yeah. So we are, we are, understand that privacy issue. So we respect that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're doing those little walkthroughs and I had one recently in Marion. I mean, the house didn't look like much from the outside. You know, it was mm. on a block internally being completely painted, renovated, nice. Mm. And I, I literally said out the front, I said, I have no other way to say this. Please don't judge this book by its cover. We know it needs painting. Why don't you come and take a look? 
mm-hmm. and pointing out the obvious. Yeah, need some paint on the outside. So that resonated into, you know, 29 groups at an open home. Wow. Later. Wow. It, and it backed onto a creek and it was flood, flood affected. So I did a little joke. I said, oh, you know, obviously when in heavy rain, I'm sure you get water views. <laughs> you know, and the things that people are actually thinking. So throwing that little bit of who I am as a person yeah. to that then turned into the vendor commented. He goes, mate, you actually turned what I thought a negative into a positive. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Mm. Two buyers going, oh, mate, you know, can you go back and do a bedroom for me? You know, mm. more detailed things. So they're engaging in that. So it doesn't have to be professional. Where I was always like, it's got to be sharp, it's got to be old. Mm. Now I look at it and go, I, I enjoy the ones we do on our mobile phone probably better than sitting there when we can have those professionals. But I do think there is a market for professional as well. Yeah. Don't so you go one way or the other. Yeah. Come so on. you you offer both. You, you you're doing a combination of both basically. Yeah. And and are you finding um, those videos like obviously the best platform for them is 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 Facebook. Let's say if if we were talking about all the social platforms, Facebook seems to be the best one. Um, yeah, Facebook. And we're still trying to understand it a little bit. But I think you've just got to be involved in it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's so many agents out there that on Facebook, you think they've got 100 listings. But when mm. you look at it, they've got three because of the videos they do. So yeah. we go across LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're attaching some of those videos to our um, buyer database. So when right. we're emailing prospective vendors, have a look at the video or whatever, um, depending on what the quality is, of the video is, you know, the lighting is something that we probably struggle a little bit with our, our mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, yeah, we're going across those platforms. Fantastic. Hey, um, Joel, you know, getting to a hundred sales or thereabouts, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a lot of heavy lifting. And, and uh, obviously that's, that's the trickiest part in my opinion. I mean, now for you, um, that you've put a new team member on, I'm assuming, and I know what you're like, you're a growth agent, you're not a lifestyle agent. So I'm assuming your goal is, is, is to do the 150, 160 sort of, you know, transaction level while still maintaining all those other metrics I talked about, you know, no leakage, no burnout and high customer service. Um, is the extra person the only thing that's involved in you actually escalating those number of sales or what, what else do you think you're going to need to be doing uh, apart from the obvious, which is getting in front of more people and building more data, et cetera. Is, is there anything else you've got in your mind uh, either, um, uh, you know, by, by creation or just by default that you think has got to happen? Um, I guess at some point I felt that volume will bring volume. Yep. It does to a certain level, but if you let it get out of control, it'll actually pull itself apart. Mm. Like a wheel spinning on a rod, yeah? Mm. And spins it smooth, it's smooth, and all of a sudden it gets a wobble, mm. and then it wobbles, and then it breaks the, the shaft that's on and off down the street. So we're very critical in the understanding of mass. We don't just want to do a lot to get a lot of people to meet a lot. What we're doing right now is going back one step and going, we want to spend a little bit more time with each person that we interact with. Because mm, mm. we believe, and I'm as a consumer myself, we believe in quality over quantity. Mm, it's mm. part of our core beliefs. Yeah. So we're saying to people, 
spend a minute on the phone, not just 30 seconds. Yeah. You go, oh, mate, you've got 350 people you met on Saturday. It's impossible. Mate, you just have to make it possible. Mm. Yeah? Because if you're not engaging with those people, the, the leads are already in our hands. We've just got to convert them. So mm. it wasn't about going wide. Where I was thinking, ask me two years ago, it was completely different. I was like, yeah, I need four people in my team. Mm. We needed to go wide. I'm like, no, no, we don't need to go wide. We just need to have better quality conversations when we're talking to the people that we can service and ask them better questions. And that's what we've been working on. We've been with a particular trainer for about 12 months. Um, and that has transformed commission by a good 0.2%. So got us higher, up to 0.4%. Our hit rate has gone from pretty good conversion of about, I think, 65 to 70 back in the 85s, closer to 90. Mm. So we're, we've gone to that quality aspect rather than just the quantity. Yeah, I love that. And, and a tip for agents at the moment, Joel, who might be thinking, you know what, um, you know, there, there's less numbers coming through open for inspections. It's harder to do deals, credit, you know, or, or, or finance is a little bit tougher. Is there any dialogue or buyer work that you're doing in particular that seems to be, you know, getting getting some good results? For buyers alone? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, it really comes down to that line of questioning, uh, like we all want to ask those questions. How much you got? When do you want to buy? You know, where you've been looking. Yep. If you just stick to those, you're going to be treated like everyone else. Mm. We go into, you know, what range does the bank suggest you can spend? Mm. Yeah, is that better than asking how much you got? Because how much yep. you got, they're going to go, I've got enough. Mm. And got the answer that you need. What mm. range? And so when they say, oh, you know, between eight and nine, okay, cool. So if they had something at a million, you definitely wouldn't look at it. Oh, no. Well, if it's really nice, we would. Okay, cool. You've got a million. Or they go, oh, eight to nine, no, no. Okay, so if I had something cheaper and a bit of a knockdown or you could renovate it at seven, would you be interested? So we're just, we're feeding the buyers a bit better with information and questioning, mm. getting better responses, which then enables us to help them because we've got to help them. It's mm. as simple as that. Asking the question, do you know what happens when your offer gets accepted, how that process works? Before mm. they've even made an offer, mm. no, we actually don't. Okay, cool. We've got two minutes. You can go unconditionally. You can go with a cool or not. Yeah. And it's taking the time to care about them. Or when you haven't, just say you've dropped the ball with your buyers, which that's the first thing that happens when agents get picky. You get the buyers, chase their vendors. Yeah. You ring those guys back in four weeks and you say, I'm so sorry. I haven't been in touch. You must have bought something. It's an assumptive question. Gets them talking. Oh, mate, we actually haven't. We've been taking four weeks off. I've got something coming up. Easy. Yeah, mm. those are something questions are good for them because then they go, oh, but he actually remembered me, he cared about me. So we have a policy to go back at the end of the month and look who was talking to us a lot in the 30 days before, reach out to them. Are they not looking at open? Did they buy? And if they bought, they're on our database, aren't they? Mm. Mm. I-, I love that because it's impossible to talk about buyer dialogue or buyer management without also discussing um, vendor servicing because the fact that you're actually double-clicking 
on that dialogue with buyers means that when you are face to face with your vendors, rather than just saying, oh, look, you know, Adrian, yeah, we've, we've been quoting 800, we've issued four contracts. So that, that tells me we've got four buyers all talking sort of eight to 850, because that's, that's the assumption that a lot of agents are delusionally making, right? Rather than saying, Adrian, let me run you through these four buyers. Um, buyer number one, um, you know, I asked them uh, whether they're going to do a pest and building. The answer is yes. That's a very good indication in my opinion. Number two is um, they've suggested their absolute maximum, any property, regardless whether it's yours or anything else, is 840. Number three is they've made changes to the contract already. So, so you're actually creating more detail and actually a better journey for the vendor experience so they can make a more informed decision otherwise as agents we're just you know we're making all these assumptions which by the way in an abnormal boom market which we've all been in you can get away with it there's all, all sins are forgiven, right? Because you get, you, you basically, you quote a price, you turn up, you issue contracts, the property sells by itself. But yeah. in this market, as you've said, Joel, and, and, and those questions, I absolutely love the fact that you're actually, you know, talking more in detail about bank finance, talking in detail, well, if I've got something at a certain price, are you out? You know, that's, that's a lot more in-depth and, and intimate discussion, which is only going to help you with the vendor. And if it's going to help you with the vendor, it means it's going to help you close the sale. And Adrian, that feedback we put in our reports each week. Yep. So when the vendor was looking at it, you know, his name was Tim, first home buyer, renting at Westmead at the moment, has a budget six fifty seven. Saw your house, thought this one in this street was better, may consider coming next week. That paints a complete picture, but the vendor goes, oh, I know what that guy is not. Saw it, didn't like it. Too small, not, you know, prefers this one. And you're like, well, hang on. Are you actually getting to know the buyer? Because the mm. only thing you need when we sell selling you what? A buyer. Yeah, yeah. Or worse still, Joel, as you know, um, when agents um, get, get stuck with it, one buyer or no buyers, they start subjectively, um, you know, creating uh, their own opinion uh, to the vendor and saying, well, it's not popular the house because it's on a busy road or it's not popular because the land's too small. They start, you know, and it's like the owner doesn't want to hear that. They know all that. That's why they're moving for God's sake, you know? So you've got to bring some science into it and the more objective data, which means, you know, the detailed feedback, which you've talked about, obviously the stats, which, which I know you attach to your reports as well from domain and real estate. This is all objective stuff. So suddenly you move away from the 1980s cowboys rubbish of, uh, you know, it's only worth, x because it's on a busy road to you know what there is a bit of a science to our business um this is the data to prove it and if there were three levers that we can control with their price presentation and marketing and if the campaign is off track at the moment which one of those three things or maybe all of them do we need to review in order to get your campaign back off on track because there's no reason why even though we only had four groups through this week there's no reason in seven days time next saturday that we can actually have 14 groups and three people interested all we've got to do is potentially tweak the price ever so slightly all we've got to do is maybe do a little bit of extra marketing which is not going to cost a lot all we've got to do is maybe tweak the presentation because that third bedroom should be a bedroom not a study so so i think when you start talking like that as a trusted advisor people think right 
you know, there's actually is a bit of a science to this. This is not cowboy stuff. This is actually in-depth detail, objective, third-party, social proof evidence that there is a process to this. Yep. And there is. Yep. Hard work, mate. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. Hey, um, so, mate, I've taken enough of your time. This has been an absolute masterclass um, for anyone um, who's looking for volume. And, mate, people can reach out to you, obviously, on all the socials if they need to. Um, Joel Hollings and McGrath, I've had the pleasure of, of, of working, you know, with you for a long time. And, mate, we still keep in touch. And uh, as you know, mate, my phone's always on for any McGrath person. I still get a call a day, actually, from people that just want a bit of that. I think it's just become habitual and uh um and obviously you know my my long tenure with the business uh you know that's never going to end so um mate i really appreciate your uh, your time today and and i know that you love giving back to the industry mate and this is just one small way of doing that but i know you do it in many other ways and and you're the the, the big humble hero mate so i really appreciate it champion all good mate thanks for all... okay okay folks thanks listeners and thanks joel and we'll we'll see you next week. Chat with you soon. Bye for now. Bye bye.